It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Best show intro ever. I, I tell you what, it is, it is Thursday, March 20th. You listen to Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Don't adjust that dial. Another great show ahead of you in that voice you heard. That is Mario Vitanzi. You can find him at Mile High Mario. You can also tweet us and tweet me at Nick Ferguson underscore uh, 25. Mario, we have a lot to get into uh, today. Uh, Brackets, bracket busters, uh, NFL, NBA. I know you uh, texted me earlier. You were talking about a real, the Real Talk segment, and you wanted to really go in on Real Talk. But I have to tell you uh, real quickly, uh, a couple of fans have uh, sent me direct emails talking about the Real Talk segment, and especially last week. And we'll, we'll talk about it real briefly. And one of the questions is, why is it that Mario seemed to go in so hard anytime Carmelo Anthony, New York <laughs> Knicks, or even Lala is mentioned. So I'll let you quickly go ahead and elaborate on that. Listen, it's not that I like have a personal vendetta out for Carmelo Anthony. I will say this. He didn't want to be in Colorado. He didn't want to be in right. Denver. They're offering him a huge contract. At least he came out and said, look, offer me all the money you want. I, I don't want to play in Denver. I want to go in New York. I respect that. But you know what, Nick? I absolutely love my city. I love my state. I will be in Colorado my entire life. I love it here. So when you disrespect where I'm from, my home, <laughs> that's when we start having a problem. And it's not so much la- it's not so much mellow. It's Lala. Happy wife, happy life, right? We are, we yeah. all heard the that, that, that's before. So I get it. Mellow didn't have a choice, man. Lala made the choice for him. She's a fame monger. She wanted to be wow. in because she thought she would get better exposure. So it's not that I don't love. It's not that I don't. It's not that I hate Carmelo Anthony. I don't. I respect the way that he left. It's just right now as a Nuggets fan, we get the Knicks first round pick this year. So if they tank and they play terrible, meaning Melo is struggling, then the Nuggets get their pick. That's why I don't like Melo right now. I don't like Lala because she disrespected my home. Real talk. Little early preview. Wow, you really decided to go in pretty early on the whole Lala and uh, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, we'll get into that. Let me, real quick, let go me ahead. ask you, Nick, why is she famous? Why? What well, does she do? What does she contribute to society to warrant her celebrity status? Nobody don't, knows. Don't forget, wait a minute, don't forget now. Wait a minute. MTV, she started off as a VJ. She had her career outside of Carmelo Anthony before they actually got together. So it's not like she is one of these women who just came for nothing and just say, well, I'm going to hitch my wagon 
to a rising star. I mean, she was someone rising on her own. Now, she wasn't at his elite status because, I mean, he's played basketball. He's a 6'7", 6'8", guy. He played for Colorado for the Nuggets, and he played for the New York Knicks. So, well, let's give, give, give her some credit now. Let's not discredit her and go in too hard on her because, I mean, she's a lovely-looking lady. I mean, I'm sure... You're gonna test that, up, man. No, I two mean, weeks oh, come on now. Let's, let's be let's be totally. totally hey, if honest. that's your thing, you wanna, yeah. But if, if you want to criticize, thing, go ahead. if you want to criticize him for leaving the Nuggets and deciding to go to New York, fine. But don't go too hard in on, on, on the wife. You know, there's certain things that that we can do. You know, as far as being an analyst and, and, and going in on people, but maybe are we going just too far to the left, overly criticizing the wife? I, you just tell me. Maybe, but I'm just saying that she's a talentless hack who doesn't need to be famous. And she knew that her fame was dwindling. And that's why she got with Mello and wanted to move to New York. That's all I'm saying. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In her defense, right, she balances off Mello. We think about what Mello was when he, his first couple of years in New York. And once he got with Lala, how that pretty much changed him. That gave him a better image. And you know what they always talk about when you get with a, a, a woman of a certain caliber, how she kind of smooths off the rough edges. So any, any guy that you talk to, talk to your dad for once and ask how your mother smoothed <laughs> him out. And that's the same thing that's happening with Carmelo Anthony and, and Lala. But, well, yeah, but, what, is she, what is she doing for their title hopes, Nick? Well, she's been a real benefit. Like going to New York, just, that's, that was a real good decision. Eastern Conference is one of the this year's Eastern Conference, one of the worst conferences I've ever seen in professional basketball my entire life in the history of the NBA. They're struggling to make the playoffs. Give me a break. Wait a minute, I mean, but you can't blame the wife for that. Now you got to talk about the coach. No, but you're but you're saying management. you're saying I mean, you the no wife. Her. But you're saying how the wife evens him out, and I understand that. She's not yes. making them any better, though, in, on the basketball court. That's the only place it matters. The only reason that he wanted to go to New York, other than because of Lala, is because it was more <laughs> of a sports town. Give me a break, Nick. Their team's wait, still wait, garbage. Wait, They're not even going to make wait, the playoffs this wait. year. But that, okay, with the Knicks being garbage, that has nothing to do with, hey, not having a great backcourt, having a bunch of older guys who are way past their prime, and then not the people in the upper management not doing the right thing by putting the right chemistry on the floor, but that's all going to change. And we're going to get into that later on in the show when we talk about uh, Phil Jackson and what he means to not just the New York Knicks, but what he's going to mean to the Eastern Conference a- as a whole. But let's switch subject for a second. Now, uh, this is the time of the year where you talk about NFL prospects, NFL draft, but more importantly, quarterbacks in NFL draft. So when you look at the, the quarterbacks and you break this down and, and, and in your terms, and which quarterbacks you feel uh, will actually be uh, rise to the top or end up being bust. Uh, you know, here you have Teddy Bridgewater, Johnny Menzel, Blake Bortles, Derek Carr, A.J. McCarron, and Gar- Garoppolo. Now, here's the one interesting thing about Garoppolo. His stock is starting to rise uh, as we get closer to the NFL draft. But think about this now. I don't know if this helps him or hurts him. Now, he comes out of eastern Illinois. So, Sean Payton you know, who's a genius offensively for the New Orleans Saints. But here's, here's what I think is not working. It's going to work for Garofalo because Tony Romo is the same guy that came out of Eastern Illinois. And we yeah, already know. He's had immense success. Yeah, I mean, he puts up a <laughs> lot of numbers in the regular season, but during the postseason, he just seems to fail to hit the mark. So I don't know if that helps him or hurt him. I'll let you talk about it. 
I mean, we've talked about Tony Romo, and the poor guy really does take a beating on this show, especially when it was during the season, Nick. But as far as it helping him or hurting him, it's the same kind of thing like, oh, what if a quarterback came out of Delaware? Does the fact that Flacco went there help him at all? Does the fact that a quarterback went to Miami of Ohio help because Roethlisberger went there? I don't think it really matters because year in and year out, you're always going to have guys from small-time schools who – will be drafted, and they just fall into obscurity. Very rarely will a guy from one of these small-town schools mm-hmm. not only make it like as a starter but have some sort of an impact. So does the fact that he goes there really matter? I mean, there's a reason that these small schools don't produce a lot of NFL players, and they get simply a different caliber than Division One. Right. That having been said – you know, I, I, I can't say that I've seen the kid play, so I can't give you an, an honest answer, mm-hmm. but it's, it's random. You know, you, you pump out all different kinds of players from all different kinds of schools, regardless of where you go. You can have a pocket passer one year and, you know, a, a runner and gunner. Look at Tannehill and Manziel. They both right. went to Texas A&M. I would say they are very different quarterbacks. So the college, I mean, it'll give them some publicity because it's like, oh, that's where Tony Romo went. Uh, and look how like, he, he's had success in the NFL. There will be people that make those comparisons. But these professional scouts, they don't care about the alumni at whatever schools. They only care about what kind of impact they're going to make on the field for their team. Well, when you look at those, the quarterbacks, and they break down. Now, Teddy Bridgewater had his workout earlier this week at Louisville. Uh, Blake Bortles just, had, just completed his workout at UCF, but when you look at the two quarterbacks, how leading up to this point, there were more talk about Teddy Bridgewater during the season. Towards the end of the season, now it started to taper off. Now Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, now they're getting a lot of the claim. But when you when you looked at Todd McShay and you looked at some of the other analysts and they started to break down Teddy Bridgewater and at his workout, he didn't have the best workout. Let's be totally honest. But I like to take a look at not just the workout itself, but look at the guy's body, overall body of work, what he did during the season. Did he do less with more? Did he lead his team? Can he make all the throws? Is he mobile? Does he have the mechanics? But when you look at Blake Bortles, I mean, he, he really did a lot for himself uh, with, with his workout. And Roger Warski, we talked about him a lot on this show. And I, I respect him as a former quarterback and more importantly as an analyst when he starts to break down quarterbacks. He had this to say about uh, Blake Bortles. I mean, coming into this point, he had Blake Bortles maybe, you know, underrated or he wasn't in his top three or top four as far as NFL prospect quarterbacks. But after the workout, now his overall mind state has changed. But tell tell me for you, do you worry or you put a lot of stake in the guys uh, pro day or the combine or you look at the overall body of work and you start evaluating breakdown players? Well, and, and that's, that's something that we've talked about, Nick. It's like, how much are you really learning about a college athlete when you have them in a skin-tight suit? Like, these, these Under Armour suits that they wear are specifically designed to make them more aerodynamic. Right. And then you go to their pro day, they can wear whatever they want. It's, it baffles me that you have these kids do all of these workouts. You put them through the combine. You poke them. You prod them. You don't even bother, <laughs> you don't even bother to put pads on them, man. So what are you really learning about these kids? I mean, I'm pretty sure I said it on the show maybe a couple weeks ago. The only 1,000-yard receiver that has run a 4-3 
in the in the uh, combine, or I'm, I'm like four three five or better, has right. been Mike Wallace in the past five years. So what does that tell you? Speed is completely overrated. Yeah, you can run. Let's say you run a four two five in a straight line for forty yards. Who right. cares, man? There's a reason that a guy like Usain Bolt is not playing in the NFL. There's a reason that track stars don't make it in the NFL. Look at Trendon Holiday, who I think was probably the most noteworthy track star in the NFL. He's had limited NFL success, and he's with the Giants now, but he struggles as an NFL player. He's strictly a return man. Don't say that he had limited success because his track speed came into play, if I'm not mistaken. You know, no, it did, Nick, but he's a, he's a situational player. He's not okay. like a prominent NFL player is my point. Does he have kick returns? Absolutely. But he would never be put in as a wide receiver, and that's the point. These combines, there's, there's way too much stake put into these and the pro days. You know who had a great pro day back in the day? Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow had a fantastic <laughs> pro day. And, of course, I'm going to bring him up. I'm a Tebow fan, but he's okay. not a quarterback. If there was an award for best human being – yeah, I would probably give it to Tebow. As far as quarterbacks are concerned, no way. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. You have to look, look at the body of work. The reason that Bortles' stock skyrocketed is because he had a great bowl game and he closed the season out well. But if you look at his body of work at Central Florida, nowhere right. near Manziel's, nowhere near Bridgewater's. I think Bridgewater is the most no. underrated player uh, quarterback of the three is because he's the safest pick. It's... Low risk, medium reward. You look at a guy like Bortles and Manziel who are very similar the way they play the position. It's high risk, higher reward. So, so I love- don't tell me right now, though, no, but, but tell yeah. me this. When, when, when you look at those quarterbacks and you look at the 2014-15 season, which guy do you feel will be the boom or what guy, which guy do you feel will be a bust? It's all it's all circumstantial, man. It depends on where they go. I think uh, if one of those guys drops to the Minnesota Vikings, I think they right. can be very successful. I think they have a lot in place right now. And really, the big thing that's holding that team back is the lack of a quarterback. They have one of the best running backs in the game. Corderell Patterson is going to be a budding star. Kyle Rudolph is a very solid tight end option. The offensive line is capable but when you put it, when Matt Castle goes in and that's an upgrade, then mm-hmm. you have problems, man. There's a reason Matt Castle can't find a home in the NFL. He wait can't a starting well, gotta, Think about this, okay. Well, Adrian Peterson was advocating for Michael Vick. They signed my, Matt Castle back. But Mike Zim, uh, Mark Zimmer still has a problem is because he still has Christian Ponder on the roster. So you don't go out and make a bad situation worse and go out and draft Blake Bortles. I don't think you go ahead and do that. Maybe Blake Bortles goes to the Houston Texans where Greg uh, George Gossie, who was a quarterback at Georgia Tech, who spent some time at UCF, you know, has familiarity with, with uh, the player and Blake Bortles. And also, Bill O'Brien is not a head coach. You know, he knows George O'Leary. He was at Georgia Tech when, when I was there as a GA. So there's some, once again, familiarity with the program, with the player. So I could possibly see Blake Bortles being in a Texans uniform, but now we have that same... Nostalgic one overall. That's very risky when you have a guy, arguably the best defensive talent in the last 10 years in Jadavian Clowney sitting there. But that's the question. Do you want to go Reggie Bush or Mario Williams? That, that's a decision that Bill O'Brien has to make. But once again, knowing as though that, you know, he knows Coach O'Leary, he was on that staff, George Gossie, coached at UCF. I could possibly see 
them making a move to put a quarterback in place that they're familiar with, that they know can actually get the ball and move it downfield. And Bill O'Brien is a great coach in helping with mechanics. And that's something that he always talks about. I had a chance to talk to him earlier last year, and that's what he said. He said, don't try to change too much about what a quarterback does for the upper body. It's the lower body you want to pay attention to and being able to show him how to slide and move in the pocket and work on the football mechanics because Jay Cutler was one of those quarterbacks who throws off his back foot. And we know what happens when you throw off your back foot. You end up throwing four interceptions to D'Angelo Hall. And we're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit later when we talk about NFL players, social media, and the fact of how this has now changed the culture and what, if at all, the NFL needs to do about social media and how things or players are often trending. You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. We're back, Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective. Before we left, we talked about uh, Carlo, Car- Carmelo Anthony and what it means to have an upstanding woman to your side. But we also talked about uh, the quarterback situation of the NFL prospects coming into the 2014 draft. Uh, Mario, to, to your amazement, and last, last week we talked about booms and busts as far as the free agency, and the Washington Redskins had a laundry list of overpriced free agents that they signed to their team that did not pan out. But 
here it is that the rules competition committee is going to meet this week in Orlando to talk about maybe 13 or 21 possible rule changes for this new NFL season. Now, of the two teams that have, I guess, suggested some rule changes, one being the New England Patriots and the other. Shocker. Guess what? Shocker. Not, or maybe it's not too much of a shocker. The Washington Redskins. Are, are, are you at any point, and when you look at what these rules are, uh, and the fact that the Patriots wants to take the field goal and move it up maybe five yards to make sure that when a team actually kicks a field goal, that is actually a field goal and not consider that it, they missed or they did not miss. I mean, you like that? You're in favor of it or you're opposed to it? I think it's very strange coming from the Patriots because, first of all, Nick, do you remember what was going on when Gronkowski broke his arm a couple of years ago? It was on a field goal. So <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, on an extra point. So do we really want to make that more violent? You lost your second best player because of an extra point attempt. So, so there's that. Second off, if we're going to talk about rules, Mr. Ferguson, of all 32 teams, the Patriots don't necessarily have moral high ground. We all know about Spygate, what happened there. That was a few years ago. Okay, we're going to let that slide. Now, reports are coming out, namely from Akib Talib, who just bounced out of there, Right. that they had fraudulent injury reports. They were reporting injuries that were not correct. So we really want to talk about rules. Maybe the rule that we need to figure out is how we're going to contain Bill Belichick and stop him from cheating. My goodness. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. From what we've known, come to have uh, been uh, told about you know, Spygate, whether it happened or, or it didn't. I mean, are we really surprised at the fact that Bill Belichick maybe fabricated just a little bit on the injury reports because he was been he was the best or he is the best as far as uh, uh, fabricating those things saying okay well is Tom Brady wrist really hurt is he questionable doubtful or he's out to me that's strategy that's a way to oh, strategize no, that's, that's throughout thing. the week but you can't you can't like fabricate a false injury report. That's what I have a problem with. So they come out and Aqib Tlaib is like, well, yeah, they kept saying that it was a hamstring injury, but it was my knee. Well, you know what? Once again, it's a way to throw the dogs off the sense per, per se. When you talk about preparations for the week, if they think it's his knee or it's his hamstring, they're thinking, okay, well, listen, if he plays corner, we can go over top. So, so to me, that goes into the strategy. But, you know, you would have others out there that believe, okay, well, this is enough, just like yourself, saying that this is another way Bill Belichick and the Patriots are finding ways to cheat the system. And yet they're not- the ones that want the new rules. It's just, it's all misdirection, <laughs> man. Bill Belichick is a, is a magician because he's all about misdirection. He gets busted for something and it's like, oh, no, no, we didn't do anything like that. In fact, we're so for the rules. We want to add rules. We want there to be more rules. Get, get out of here, man. I'm not buying any of that crap. Well, well they don't call him the hood for, any, for, for, for no reason. Also, that's Peter, dude. Well, Pete, no, I'm Pete, sorry. He's the emperor. Hey, yeah, that's, that's evil Palpatine manipulating with the, with the dark side of the force over the NFL. No, Roger Goodell. Right. That's right. There's no, there's no good left in him, in him, Nick. If he was Darth Vader, he could, he could still come over to the good side, but he's toast. Now, now, also in a new move, the competition committee 
is considering the fact of adding more players to the roster. Uh, during the regular season, you have about 40, 49 players that it can be active for any particular game. Now they want to bump that number up, especially for those games, especially on the flex schedule, where you get to the playoffs and you play on a Saturday and those Thursday night games that you know, you know, being a guy that works in the chiropractic business as well, it's tough to play a 60-minute game on a Sunday and then come back several days later and play on a Thursday. Of all the rules, I really like this one because I think it gives the coaching staff uh, several other players that they can use in and out to actually offset maybe some bumps and bruises that a long season can actually produce. How do you feel about that? Yeah, they're using an atom bomb on an anthill, man. You don't need to add to the roster. I understand that, you know, for the most part, it's going to be about the safety. It'll be nice having extra players. But, Nick, if the problem is Thursday night games, why can't we just get rid of Thursday night games? If they were in it for the player's safety then they wouldn't have Thursday night games. They're in it for the money. They like having these primetime games. And you know what? We as fans like not having to wait an entire week for football. Let's be perfectly <laughs> honest. We get a little taste. It's a drug, man. We, we get our full dose on Sunday, and then right. we start tweaking. And then on Thursday, we get a little bit of a taste, just a taste, just a tad. And then we get it again on Sunday. Saturday, if you watch college football, there's always football to look forward to. But get rid of the Thursday night football if you're really worried about injuries. You're yeah, not you, correcting the problem. You're beating around the bush. You need to <laughs> chop it down. But wait a minute. You just said it yourself. Fans are drunk and intoxicated with football. So to give it to them on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and give it to them on Thursday, that's what they want. So it allows the NFL and Roger Goodell to take advantage of everyone salivating for more football. And you just it, said it. it they I don't. Mean, it, don't put lipstick on a pig and call it Kate Upton then, man. Don't say <laughs> that you're, you're changing these rules for player safety because that's BS. I don't want to hear that. You're doing it for the fans. Do, I don't hate it. I'm not mad about it. But if you're really concerned about the safety of the players, right. then take away the game. You know you're doing it for the money. Be honest for one time. Hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm sure there are some current and former players that would argue the same thing. It's if you really want to uh, benefit the players and you're really looking at after, after the players, go ahead and add more money on the back end for long-time you know, medical care. Add more guys to the roster because where we're getting to right now, the league is testing the waters. Believe it or not, it's just like a football game where the offense runs one play to set up another. They're going to run a bubble screen to run a bubble and go on the next play. The league is setting up for an 18-game schedule. Let's, let's, let's test the waters. Let's introduce some of these new rules, and let's see if the fans embrace it. Let's see if the players em, em, embrace it and see how far we can, we can possibly push it. So if the players allow us to take an inch, we're going to take a mile. And to me, that, that's what I see happening. But also, I mentioned this too as well. Now, I know there's a lot of fans that have been complaining about preseason games, how boring they are, no, no butts in the seats, uh, the stadium looks empty. I don't get a chance to see the guys that I want to see in preseason game. The, the league is also considering, the competition committee that is, considering no overtime in preseason. Are you in favor or are you opposed to that? Oh, I'm absolutely in favor to that. Why do you need to go into overtime for a game that doesn't matter? You know, right. 
Uh, as far as preseason is concerned, I know that there has been talk where they're going to limit it to two games and extend it to four, but it comes down to the battle between the fans and the players' safety, Nick. You know, these games aren't for the fans. Is it exciting when your team is finally back on and you get to see uh, you know, your favorite player go out, the starting quarterback go out after months and months of waiting for one or two series, and then it just gets droll? All it is is run left, run right. You're going to keep it short, keep it sweet. But they don't need to get rid of these preseason games. They're not for the fans. This is still a business. These are men trying to do their job. Sometimes coaches need four games. Maybe not four. They need three. Let's be perfect, Atlanta. Sometimes they do need four. And if their livelihood is at stake about selecting the right player to cut, we can't take that out. It's a business when it's all said and done. These games need to be there. Sorry for the fans. It's not entertaining, but it's a necessity. Another rule change that's going to be uh, suggested by the competition committee, well, you're going to love this one, especially if you're a Jerry Jones and you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. They want to expand the playoff system to add more more teams. And and, and I was on a Houston radio station earlier uh, this morning before we jumped on our show, and I was asked this question about how do I feel about, you know, adding more teams to the playoffs? I say it only benefits one team, the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) <laughs> who haven't had a chance, who haven't had an opportunity to get to the postseason. So if this rule was implemented last season, guess what? How many, how many years in a row the Dallas Cowboys would have been allowed to kind of backdoor into the playoffs if the expanded playoff system was allowed? I, I don't like it because I don't believe in rewarding down stats. I believe you handle your business during the regular season, you win your division, which gives you a chance to, to get in the dance. And once you get in the dance, hopefully everyone is healthy. and you Hopefully can you're with run. the prettiest girl there. And hopefully you are with the prettiest girl there, and then you can have a Hardy's commercial and kiss her as you hoist up the Super Bowl trophy. But the fact <laughs> of adding more teams to the playoff system, if it's not broke, don't fix it. it so, you're exactly right. And there are already enough teams in the playoffs, man. And how would you even do this? Are you going to take away the first round bye for the one and two seeds? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Of course, and, and it's, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, man. You give an inch. They take a mile. Let's say you add in one team in the AFC, one team in the NFC. Five years down the road, they're going to be saying, oh, well, now, you know, there's there's so much ambiguity. How do we know that all the best teams are going to in? They're going to add right. another spot. And then it's going to get to the point where it's like the NBA, where half the teams that play get into the playoffs. Well, you know, what? I, I don't like it. Once again, you can't reward down stats. You can't allow teams that did not plan properly. They did not execute. They did not draft properly. I mean, you cannot reward these teams. So Don't reward mediocrity. No, no. And to me, if you reward mediocrity, you, you're still wondering, you know, why fans are not coming out in droves like they used to and they're deciding to stay home. When you put this type of product on the field, I wouldn't go see that anyway. I would sit home and watch that. So to me, you don't reward down stats because who wants to see a 9-7 and team win a Super Bowl? Not me. Nobody. They don't deserve it. No, they don't deserve it. So you earn it in the draft. You earn it during the season of uh, playing in November, December to get an opportunity to play in January. So if you don't get that done, forget it. I'm I'm done with this rule. I hope they decide not to do it. But I know Jerry Jones is going to be sitting there in front of the room with his flags waving and his horn blowing. Hey, commissioner, you got to get this passed. So I, I don't know. Uh, on some other NFL topics, of course, 
each offseason, we have a plethora of players that find their way somehow into the limelight, not because what they did on the field, but because what they did off the field. Now, in, in a turn of events, instead of players, we have, of course, Jim Ursay, who now <laughs> found himself in a national spotlight after being pulled over for DUI and say he had a, a controlled substance, which they haven't released to say what that is. I don't know if it's uh, Viagra, uh, painkillers, or, 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 or some uh, uh, extracurricular type of uh, uh, medicinal uh, smoking, something that you can smoke. We don't know that yet, but I just found this, this kind of hard to believe. Here's a guy who set rules for his team to follow, and yet, uh, yet again, he breaks the rules. And when I go back to last year, the Broncos had two executives who found themselves on the wrong end of the law. So I ask you this question. With Roger Goodell being a guy that is employed by the owners, is it a conflict of interest with how he deals with Jim Ursay moving forward. Oh, of, of course it is. And he's going to get both ends of the spectrum. It's like, of course, the other owners are going to say, well, what are you going to do about this? You need to make an example. But then he's employed by them. Right. So he has to be careful. And it's like, is he going to treat everybody equally if this happens? And this is not an enviable spot for Goodell. I will say that. But you know what? <laughs> this is the kind of crap that he has to deal with if he's the commissioner. And if this is the worst thing that he has to put up with, then it's a pretty good life. Um, now, my question for you is, do you have a bigger problem with what Irsay did? Or do you have a bigger problem with Rob Ryan being seen in the streets on St. Patrick's Day just absolutely sloshed? Well, you know what? I, I, I'm not in favor of overly intoxication on, on any front, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, where it's the owner of, of, of a team. But when you look at the fact of, hey, it's St. Patty's Day, he's in New Orleans, and he's embracing the culture that is New Orleans. But uh, yeah, culture. He's embracing the culture. He's part of the city. I mean, it, it is some, it, it's Fat Tuesday. You know, it's beads. We toss some beads. So go out there, have a good time, but overly intoxicating when, when you, you're stumbling in the streets, you're, you're drooling, and, and you're vomiting on the side corner. No, I'm, I'm not in favor of that. But still, these are all things that Roger Goodell needs to take a look at. I'm sure uh, the New Orleans Saints organization would definitely take a look at themselves because everyone has to be in compliance, whether you're an owner, whether you're a coach or whether you're a player, everyone has rules to, to, to follow. And, and sticking with that, uh, one thing that we've seen happen over the past couple of years, uh, you know, there, there was once, you know, the hip-hop uh, kind of conflict, East-West Coast battles, but it seems as though that has now gravitated and moved into the NFL where you have players using social media as a way to discredit another player. And, and most recently, you had D'Angelo Hall talking about Richard Sherman calling him out and saying, listen, let me know when you have a bank, bank account that looks like mine. Let mm -hmm. me know when you have a game where you have four interceptions. Let me know when you play a career as long as I have. Now, I didn't really want to go into it, but my hashtag was he who remained nameless because I, I don't want to say his name, even though I said it early on to, to, to talk about the story. But I just think... He who should, should remain nameless should just stay where he's, where he's at in the Washington Redskins uniform, which while I don't know why they gave him a contract extension, I guess that, that, that's only significant to tell you how awful their secondary is to begin with, but he should stay in his place. 
You know, do what you do. You were exposed when you went over to Oakland and you played man-to-man defense, and they, we really, really found out what type of player that you are. So these Twitter wars, I'm not for them. Also, before you comment, now there's another, some other Twitter wars, uh, Roddy White infamous for what he said a couple of years ago, and then he had to retract the statement. But then the biggest one was Dick Vitale commenting on Arian Foster. When Arian Foster say, listen, when I was at Tennessee, you know, they didn't pay me or they, 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 they could have paid me, but, but they didn't. But Dick Vitale called him a, a street, referred to him as a street walker. I won't, you know, uh, call the actual name that he said, saying, well, listen, when your hand is out and people are putting something in your hand, you don't have a problem with it. But the moment that stops, now you want to have something to say. But I'll let you kind of go in real quickly on NFL players and the use of social media. I think the biggest problem with social media, and I think the first uh, occurrence that really got people kind of up in arms, you remember a couple years ago, Richard Mendenhall came out and made a comment uh, that almost sided with Osama bin Laden. It was right after, you know, we found yeah, him, we killed that. him, and, yes. and, and killed Osama bin Laden. And you got to pick and choose your battles more wisely than this. And was is he a Taliban? Is he a terrorist? No, man. No. He's, he's just giving you the other side of the story. People overreacted because it was all a timing thing. But the problem with Twitter is it's right there at your fingertips, Nick. You don't have a time to cool off and relax. If you're all fired up about something, you can't step away from it. It's accessed. No matter where you go, you can always tweet. And if you're all emotional and you're fired up, I've done it before. I've sent out tweets that I shouldn't have, but I don't delete them because uh, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't need to worry about any kickback. That's the problem. (laughs) Having a social media at your dispense right here, when you have so many people following you, there's going to be an issue. So these two Twitter wars, the one that we're talking about, those that Mm -hmm. shall not be named, they both bring up good points. It just shows you that someone that's been doing this for a very long time, a veteran, is sick of this young cat thinking that he runs the game. Put up or shut up, man. It's a challenge. Is he up for it or not? Only time will tell. I'll tell you this. As my father told me, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Coming up after the break, we'll get into Phil Jackson and what his new hiring with the New York Knicks could mean for the Eastern Conference as a whole, what it could mean for you know, Carmelo Anthony. And also, we would get into our also spirited part of the program, Real Talk. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune into Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. 
You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC and LA can't even muster a football team with their own. It's all about Philly sports and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. Well, anytime you hear that, that can only mean but one thing. It is time for our Real Talk segment. Mario, are you hyped and you ready to go? I'm always hyped for Real Talk, man. Let's do it. All right, kicking things off. uh, Phil Jackson received a standing ovation last night at the Knicks Pacer game. And it seemed like with him being in the building already, it's showing signs of the team starting to turn the corner, at least for right now, as they really went out and handed the Pacers and gave them the business. Real talk, can Phil Jackson be the guy that restored Nick basketball to that championship 1970-1973 type of team? Can he do that? Nick, the Knicks have won seven in a row, man. They're rolling. They're the hottest team in the NBA right now. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to beat the Heat in the first round. They're going to go way to the title and win the... I know. That's crazy, right? The (laughs) point is, Nick, this fool hasn't done anything yet. And people are trying to say he's the reason they've won seven (laughs) games. They got lucky. You know what's going to happen? He's going to make sure that Carmelo Anthony ends up with the Lakers. Collusion. Phil Jackson isn't going to do crap for the New York Knicks. Real talk. All right. Speaking of that, all right, the NBA has put some parameters in place for Phil Jackson and Jenny Buss because they don't want any conflict of interest. But we all know couples sit down. They watch Love Actually. And, <laughs> you know, towards the end, they have a little conversation about, hey, listen, Phil, what are you doing? What are you thinking about Carmelo? Hey, what do you think about Paul Gasol? So who's to say the league would actually be able to stop this? But if I'm not mistaken, under David Stern's leadership, and at that time he was the commissioner, the league owned the Pelican team in, in New Orleans, then they, then they block a trade of uh, CP3 to the Lakers. And you want to talk about conflict of interest, that's conflict of interest for you. Real talk. Yeah, real talk. They don't want that crap to happen again. Plus, 
is Phil Jackson. If there's one person in NBA other than Michael Jordan that could probably get away with whatever he wanted, it's right. Phil Jackson, man. He's the only guy that can be regarded so highly. Let's be perfectly honest, Nick. <laughs> Since this is real talk, I could have coached that Bulls team and that Lakers team to NBA titles, and I know next to nothing about basketball. You know what the strategy is? Oh, either give the ball to Kobe or give the ball to Shaq. Oh, MJ, you just go out there, do your thing. Scotty, help him out when he needs you. That's it, man. So why is Phil Jackson put up on this pedestal? They can do and say whatever they want to make sure no hanky-panky, no funny business goes on behind the scenes. But you know what, Nick? That's not going to stop them. If the Lakers get way better in the coming years, we right. are going to know why. Melo's going to play there next year. Put it on the board. Real talk. Real talk. The reason why Phil Jackson is getting applause, standing ovation, from the garden is because guess what? Kobe, Shaq, he managed that. He managed Michael Jordan's ego. He managed Dennis Rodman. Oh, and let's not let's not mention he has eleven rings. So with the guy having left eleven rings, how can you not give him a standing ovation? So real talk, Phil deserves all the credit that he's getting. Real talk? Absolutely not, Nick. Are you going to be respectful to him? Yes, of course you will. 11 rings, give me a break. That should never happen. But who's to say that he hasn't gotten a little lucky with the teams that he has inherited? I will say this, though. He's a smart man. He knows where he needs to be. So for him to take the leap from laying in his bed of money every night, just dreaming about making that paper to getting back into the NBA and actually working. He must see something great here. Otherwise, I don't think he'd put himself through the stress. Does he deserve respect? Yeah. But he also is putting him in a position to diminish his legacy. This is probably the biggest task he has ever come up with. And he's not even the coach. So we'll see how it happens. Real talk, I think it's downhill from here, Mr. Jackson. I am for real. <laughs> real talk, the 76ers, 76ers, pardon me, uh, 15 and 52, that's right. They carry a 15 and 52 record, and the 76ers have lost their 22nd game. Now, when I look at this team, I, I was thinking, wait a minute, am I watching a Mike D'Antoni coach team? Because guess what? They can score points. They've, they've proven that they can do that. But guess what? They give up as many points as they score. Real talk, the 76ers could end up the NBA season being with the longest losing streak. Real I mean, talk, <laughs> absolutely on. they can, man. They're, they've lost 22 games in a row. And their, their, their owner already came out and said, we're not tanking. It's rebuilding. It's like if you have to come out and justify tanking, then you are tanking. <laughs> they want the first overall pick. And now, you know what? They're very lucky because even if they lose out on the raffle, they get to choose between Parker and Wiggins, even Randall out of Kentucky, who I really like. This is a very deep draft. So even if they don't get that number one overall pick, they're still going to get a superstar in Philadelphia. Do you think the fans care right now? Oh, man, nobody in Philadelphia cares about basketball. They care about the Eagles. They care about the Phillies. They don't care about the 76ers. There's no love for that basketball team right now. Check back in with them next year. 
Worst basketball team ever? Mm, I'll give them top five. Real talk. All right. Uh, someone just tweeted me this. Um, okay. This was last night. Uh, we were, I was watching the NBA. And Larry Bird, you know, I mean, Mount Rushmore, maybe he's on yours, maybe he's not. But he had this to say about his coach, uh, Frank Vogel. He's got to start going after guys when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And he has to stay on them, whether you got to take them out of the game, whether they're not doing what they're supposed to do, or limit their minutes. Now, real talk, I like it, Larry Bird. If your coach is not getting on top, staying on top of his players, getting the best out of them, then you have to get on your coach for him to get on his players if you are to beat, that's right, wait for it, the Miami Heat and win an NBA championship. So, real talk, I agree with Larry Bird. Real talk, here's the thing. It's hard not to agree with Larry Bird. I mean, it's Larry Bird. But what have we noticed out of former players who end up being coaches? The guys who were fantastic players, and not even just coaches, but owners. Look at Michael Jordan, best basketball player of all time, probably the worst owner of all time. They get this mindset. Yeah, they are fantastic at playing the game, but they don't understand how to play it from a team aspect. So Larry Bird is a little bit of a toss-up, man. Sometimes he has good points. Sometimes he doesn't. He's worked wonders with where he's been. Uh, I'll put him on my Mount Rushmore, and you know what? I'll buy into this too, Nick. Real talk. Whatever Larry says goes. All right. Real talk. So uh, a good friend of mine, Jeff Hammond, when we were talking the other day, and he referred to me as, hey, Nick Ferguson, you know, uh, Georgia Tech Bulldogs. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? wait a second, right? That's like saying USC Bruins, right? And he's like, I'm now just, it's not your friend anymore. Yeah, I'm just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's get it right. It is Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. You have the UGA Bulldogs, two different teams, two different institutions. So, Jeff, Please, can we make sure we never, ever refer to me and call me a bulldog? You know hey, what? we're going to get Garrison Hurst back on here. It's so <laughs> let you two just hash it out. You know, that, that would have been great. Maybe, maybe I should introduce Jeff to Garrison Hurst so now they can talk a little bulldog football. I, I don't know. But never, ever, anyone out there in TV land, YouTube, social media, never refer to me or any Georgia Tech guy and say, Georgia Tech Bulldogs, real talk. <laughs> Don't you ever call Nick a Bulldog. He's a, do that. He's a yellow jacket, not a green jacket, not a blue jacket, yellow jacket. So, so now, continue with real talk. Greg Popovich, we just talked about Bill Belichick and sometimes how he can tweak and fabricate where the guys are really injured or if a guy has a knee, say it's his hamstring, Greg Popovich has pretty much gotten into the act himself because we've known him to pull players for a period or a stretch of a couple of games because he knows what's important, May and June. And I have to agree with George Popovich, no matter what anyone says, I've always said you can call the, the San Antonio Spurs old. You can say that they're a little dysfunctional. You can say whatever you want to call them. And you don't even have to like them. And you don't even have to be Skip Bayless. All I'm going to say is that they always find a way towards the end of the season to make a run, and they're doing it again. Spurs will probably beat OKC real talk. 
Real talk, man. For the last three or four years, I was like, you know what? This is the the Spurs' time is up. Their reign of terror is over. We don't. We're not gonna have to watch their boring brand of basketball in the championship or in the Western Conference Finals anymore. And every single year, Nick, I've been wrong. You cannot <laughs> count out this team, no matter how old they are, no matter how much they're dropping off. Greg Popovich, he's he borrowed some of that stuff from Michael Jordan in Space Jam, some of that special stuff, yes. and it just never wears off. He's giving it to Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili every single year, and those are the only three people he needs. They, be, they could plug in literally anybody else. Anyone else. And, he, and they happen to make it work, and that is a true consummate professional in Popovich. Are they going to beat Oklahoma City? Right now, come on now. Right now, I will say yes, and here's why. All right. Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are not jiving the way that they need to be. If Westbrook starts to figure out how to play the point guard position like a point guard should, he needs to sample from Rajon Rondo, from Chris Paul. He needs to divert to the superstar. Kevin Durant is a superstar on that team, Westbrook. I know you want to get your 15 shots a game. You don't need it, man. You're not the best (laughs) shooter on that team. You're not the best passer on that team. You're not the best basketball player on that team. That distinction goes to Kevin Durant, and as soon as Westbrook figures that out and he starts playing Robin to to, uh, Durant's Batman, then they will be able to beat the Spurs, and only then. All right. comes to the NBA Finals against the Heat, that's Mm -hmm. the story. All right, real quickly before we get out of here, if there are, do you watch Dancing with the Stars? I do not. Okay, I love that. I love that show because uh, here's a little fun fact for me, uh, for those that don't know me. Ever since I was a kid living in the inner city, I love ballroom dancing. So <laughs> hey, it's out there. Everyone knows, but I love Dancing with the Stars. Really quickly, if you had two players that you could nominate for Dancing with the Stars, what two players would you nominate? And don't say I, me. Don't say me. <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, so really not you, Nick. Right. You know what? I would, uh, I would want to see Chris Humphreys. Okay. Give him a chance to redeem himself because he was the most hated player in the NBA, all thanks to Kim Kardashian. Speaking of gold diggers. Oh, boy. And I would want to see Peyton Manning. Wow. I that's... think, uh, I, I feel like Manning is an athlete. We've seen him move. He can't move, but I feel like he might be one of those dudes. You know, he grew up in the South. He probably uh, had to attend cotillion. He probably knows how to slow dance and, and get it done. <laughs> I want to see PFM on DWS. Well, that would be great. I would love to see uh, Manny run a couple of Omaha checks on Dancing with the Stars. Mario, thank you for another spectacular show. You can find him at Mile High Mario. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Justin, as always, thanks for on the boards. Well, I would like to thank uh, the Church Side Charlie Celebrity Center International for once again allowing me to use their facility here to record my show. Have a great weekend, and we look forward to another great show. And as always, don't take any wooden nickels. Until next week. <laughs>again for stopping by be sure to catch nick ferguson's secondary perspective again next thursday at 1 p.m eastern time 10 a.m in the west on the voice america sports channel we'll share some more great stories next week